Tonight, big day. Vidal Jones hitting a level we have never seen before. Should you abandon bonds? And we've got our take on some pretty surprising research. You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Amy Wagner, along with Steve Sprovac. Are you that guy? Were you that girl? <laughs> <laughs> we probably talked to you last year, yep. but hopefully you weren't that person who got spooked, right? The stock market was all over the place. Maybe you couldn't sleep at night. And I did talk to some people who said, I'm just going to get out. In most cases, I think we were able to talk people off of that ledge. Most cases. But there are some who don't always listen. And and why are we even talking about this? For the first time ever, the Dow Jones Industrial Average crossed 37,000. I, I want to put that in perspective. I'm an old guy. 1981, get started in You're the business. You're not old. Um, very immature, but that kind of balances it out, doesn't it? <laughs> so, so I'm starting in the business in 1981 and people are in a panic because we were at a new record. We were getting close to 1000 on the Dow, 1000, wow. not 10,000, 1000. And people were saying the, the Dow's at 960. It's never been this high. I, it, it can't keep going up. It's gotta come <laughs> down. There's gotta be a crash. And, and how quaint that seems now. We just crossed 37,000, but it's kind of important because Remember going into the pandemic, okay? Yes. Things were looking pretty darn good, okay, until, you know, bad news hit. Um, the Dow was at 36,000, and everybody was like, it's going to take forever to get back where it was. Well, it not only got back where it was, it's crossing into a whole new ball game now. Which is what we say. We say, okay. It's designed to do that. The market is cyclical. Yeah. It, it goes down. Yeah. At the same time, 100% of the time, right? Rarely can you say this. Yeah. Every single yeah. time, historically, the market has gone down. Not only has it rebounded, it has rebounded to new highs. So if you wanted to give this today's show a theme, here it is. We told you so. <laughs> <laughs> you love that, These don't are you? my favorite yeah. shows to do yeah. because we get to do them from time to time. You come out of a scary time. The markets are rocky. People get freaked out. And you name your reason for people getting freaked out. I've been doing this show long enough to say Brexit, election, trade war, there's always COVID. Always. There's always yeah. something. Some reason why someone's coming at us saying, I think the best decision for me to do is to take this money out of the stock market, put it under my mattress, and I'll tell you when I'm ready to get back in. Well, well, and people had another reason to to go ahead and do that in the past year because we're finally earning interest. I, I just had somebody in the office say, you know, I'm getting nervous about the market being this high. I'm worried about what's going on in the Middle East. I'm worried about this country, all the political division. At least I can get 5% in a CD and not worry about it. I, I mean, that's, that's you know, that, yeah. that's a concern. And, and, you know, this market came off of bottom, off of the bottom and had some really, really big swings upward when there was absolutely nothing in the news telling you, hey, happy days are here again. All those problems went away. So why not get some money working for you in the market? No, uh, the, the big moves upward, the big moves off the bottom happened when it was looking pretty darn dismal. Why did it go up so much in the last couple of days? Because the Federal Reserve met and Jerome Powell, the chair of the Federal Reserve, you know, he's he's usually hawkish. He's usually the guy saying, um, hey, I don't know where you guys are coming from, but we're, we're going to keep raising rates as long as we need to. Well, yesterday he said, we're probably done raising rates and, and I think we're going to have two, maybe even three interest rate cuts in 2024. That's from the guy who actually makes those cuts. 
So you got to believe him. And if he's saying that, you know, Wall Street's going to say, well, he's only saying two or three. We're probably going to have five or six. Yeah. Our good friend, Jerry Powell. And I'm calling him Jerry oh, today Jerry because we're now. close and okay. I'm, I'm liking what he's saying. He's Jerome Powell when the interest rates are on the rise. He's Jerry when they're coming back down. Yeah, gotcha. no. uh, but I do think, you know, he has been so hawkish in his comments. And that, that just means that he feels like we, he needs to be very aggressive, right, in raising these interest rates. He wanted rates to scare investors. To he wanted down. to let people know he was serious. Yes. Yeah. And, and there's also historical context for this, right? He's looking at the late 70s, the early yep. 80s, when inflation was out of control. The Federal Reserve then dropped interest rates too soon. And we went not through from one, but then to two terrible recessions. And it, it was just a it was this terrible yeah. cycle that you just couldn't get out of. So he's looking back at that saying, don't want to repeat that. We're not going to go back there. So I'm going to be as aggressive as we need to be in order to truly bring inflation back down. And, and I think we didn't expect, I mean, the, the Federal Reserve didn't take any action yesterday that was out of the realm of it. We, we knew exactly. All. They yeah. weren't going yeah. to do anything. They and that's didn't. what we like. We don't like yes. surprises. They didn't do anything. But what we've been saying all year, it's not so much in the actions that they take. It's the words that he speaks afterwards. Yeah. That's where Wall Street is listening in very closely, literally bated breath. Okay, what's he going to say next? And what he said is is usually rarely surprising. But I will say that yesterday was a bit surprising. You know, there have been times past where when he has his press conference, uh, I'm looking at the market and all of a sudden it's turning red and getting lower and lower. And, and I'm like, well, yeah, of course it's going down. His lips are moving. <laughs> I, I mean, he could not open his mouth up without driving markets down. Yesterday was the exact opposite. I, I mean, it was it was pretty neat. He's telling investors what they want to hear. And what they want to hear is, okay, this is going to be shorter than than expected. And, and looks like happy days are going to be here, not uh, tomorrow, but next year. You're listening to Simply Money presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Amy Wagner, along with Steve Strovac, as we and the markets continue to digest what the Federal Reserve, our nation's central bank, did and said yesterday uh, that has now brought the Dow to new highs, right? Just cost, crossed that 37,000 yeah. threshold. Uh, very exciting. Check your 401k today if you want to. Not a bad time hey, to I, do it. I'm going to throw a turd in the punch bowl, though. Okay. You, you know, you, you know, we can I hate that language. And <laughs> <laughs> I hate when you do it, but go for it. Go for it. Okay. So, so, all right. Everybody's excited. Markets reaching new highs. But I, I just want to remind everyone, the Fed is walking a knife edge right now. They've never pulled off reining in inflation and not driving us into a recession. Yes. It just hasn't been done before. And they're doing this on top of, remember, quantitative easing, where they bought all these bonds to drive interest rates down to zero artificially. Well, they're letting those bonds back out. They're not selling them, but they're not buying them after they come due. Bottom line is there's a lot of bonds being dumped on the market for all intents and purposes. So there, there, there's a lot of moving parts going on with what the Fed's trying to accomplish right now. And if they go overboard, okay, they're trying to keep us out of a recession. But the only thing worse than a recession would be if the money supply drops down to zero. In other words, um, if there's a contraction in the economy to the point where banks don't have any money to lend, we don't deal with just tackling inflation. We deal with disinflation, which can just halt uh, a market economy. So, you know, there's a lot going on here. So far, so good. But it, we're not completely out of the woods. We're going to have to stay on top of this, Amy. We're going to have to make sure the Fed is doing what they need to do or else we're going to have to tell investors, hey, here's a big concern coming up. Right now, today's a good day. 
tomorrow, I'm not taking for granted. You're kind of ruining my good day here. Oh, I'm sorry. Talking about worst case scenario, what could happen on the other side of that? After 40 years, you know it's not all <laughs> peaches and cream in the market. That's and all. And I will say, and I, I think I've referred to this a couple of times on the show, but but that movie, or you know, based on the true story, right? The Miracle on the Hudson. You had that pilot Sullivan Sully, right? And, yeah. and you're a pilot. Like they talked about. The, the, the myriad of things that could have gone yep. wrong. Yep. If anything had been even slightly different, that plane would not have landed safely on that water. That's what the Federal Reserve has been trying to do. Literally, yep. I mean, all yep. of the factors have to converge in the right way at the right point. To your point, there's precedent there. There's no, no precedent for being able to bring inflation down and not hike us into a recession. Well, and the here's time. a reason I even bring it up. And, and I talked with Sloney about this on, on Tuesday on, on our sister station, 700 WLW, that um, the money supply is contracting. It's only happened four times in history and all four times there was a recession. The Federal Reserve knows this. So, so they're being super cautious on not just what they're doing, but also what they're saying, because they know what they say can make investors do certain things that could drive the Fed nuts. So it, it, it it's, it's a tightrope. Uh, it, yeah, uh, we're watching it. What else we're watching is the Fed's policy rate, right? Now expected to end next year, 2024, 4.6%. 5.1% had been an earlier projection. You know, these things are moving constantly. Yeah. This time last year, there were people that were already projecting that in 2023, we would see interest rate cuts. Right. didn't happen. I mean, we didn't right. get anywhere close to that. In fact, you know, earlier this year, we were probably looking at the likelihood of yet another cut at some point this year. So now he's taking that off the table completely, not even talking about, I'm sorry, an interest rate hike. He's not even talking about different. hikes anymore. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> let me get that one straight. That's an important he's distinction. He's not talking about hikes at all anymore. Yeah. He's talking about when we'll start to see cuts next year. If you remember... On this show was just a couple of days ago, the Fed futures rates were looking at the fact yep. that we might be looking at uh, the first cut as early as from May to March, mm -hmm. uh, all over the place. Mm -hmm. And I think there's going to be continue to be a well, lot of data coming. And, and how do we what do you do with this knowledge? OK, the Fed says they're going to cut interest rates. OK, you're happy you're getting five percent in a CD when that CD comes due six months from now. What are you going to get if they're cutting rates? I, my experience, just like gas prices, they go up real quick. They come down real slow. Well, with CD <laughs> rates, they don't go Not up real quick and they come down extremely rapidly. So don't be surprised next summer. What if CD rates are only two and a half, three percent? Are you going to be happy then? You know, and, and so you've, you've got to consider, do you want to lock in long term rates now? I back going back to the early 80s, uh, municipal bonds, tax free munis were paying 10 percent oh, for wow. the next 30 years and nobody wanted to lock in anything for 30 years. They might do better. Wait, 10 percent tax free. <laughs> Sign you me know? up for that. please. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, consider if you've got money that's long term money and, and you don't want to risk it in the market, maybe think longer than six months. Well, you know, there's the economic principle, the rocket and the feather, right? And it often applies to gas prices. You know, they, you know, they go up really fast mm -hmm. and it takes a long time to come back down. This is the opposite yeah. with a lot of these bank savings rates right now. It took forever for them to come up and they're going to go down really quickly. And, you know, you kind of started the show off by saying, uh, listen, those of you who said, OK, I could get more money in the bank right now. I'm going to get out of this volatility and get into what's a, a much you know, more comfortable uh, place for my money. It, it, that place isn't going to exist much longer. Uh, and, you know, there's not a way to lock that in forever. Wish there was. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that doesn't exist. And so for those looking to get out of the market or who have and 
found, you know, some kind of safety and a, you know, in a CD or a savings even a money market. Somewhere. Yeah, right. It, Money, Not much longer. And money markets, they fluctuate every day. So, yeah, you might be getting two and a half, three, three and a half percent, maybe even four percent if you're online. Next month might be a whole different picture. Six months from now, probably a whole different picture. So don't think that money's going to earn what you're what you're really enjoying now forever. Here's the all worth advice. When markets hit milestones like they are today, well, investors tend to react. So we would say, listen, don't get too high or too low. Just concentrate on your long-term average gains and your long-term plan. Should your portfolio contain 100% stocks? A couple of finance professors say yes. What do we say? We'll tell you next. You're listening to Simply Money presented by Allworth Financial here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Strovac. If you can't listen to Simply Money every night, you don't have to miss a thing. We've got a daily podcast for you. Just search Simply Money. It's right there on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up at 643, how much are you really going to spend in retirement? You might be surprised. We'll look at those numbers coming up. It was just Tuesday. We were talking with our real estate expert, Michelle Sloan, and she said, listen, at this point, adjustable rate mortgages are making sense yeah. to some buyers. Um, the interesting thing, though, is now new data is coming in that's suggesting that some people are refinancing their mortgages right now um, at today's rates. Yeah, and I, I, I think they're jumping the gun a little yeah, bit. You know, I, I mean, we are so short-term oriented in mm -hmm. our thinking these days. It, it doesn't surprise me, but, you know, I hope that you can refinance a mortgage more than once because some of these people are, they're, they're jumping the gun on this a little bit. But they might yeah. be refinancing like twice a, twice a month and soon. Well, I, I, I we were up over 8% on 30-year mortgages. So I kind of get this. The, the average interest rate on a 30-year fixed rate mortgage right now is at its lowest level since July. Well, it's only a few months ago, but right. it is down quite a bit. And applications to refinance home loans increased by 19% last week. From the previous week, refinance demand was 27% higher than the same week one year ago. So everybody that, okay, I, I need a house. I have to have a house. I like this house. Boy, it really stinks that I've got to pay 8% on a mortgage. I don't know what they're getting now, maybe seven and a quarter, seven and a half. But, you know, it's not free when you refinance. And and I think you need to put plug that into the equation. Am I really gaining that much ground by refinancing after a half or three quarters of a percent drop? Listen, before you go dialing up your mortgage broker right now, yeah. let me say this. Take these numbers with a grain of salt. I mean, these numbers are probably so low right? The number of people that were refinancing yeah. last week, yeah. that the people refinancing the next week, even if it's just a, ha just a handful, are going to make... But know? a lot of people are thinking about it. Yes. Yeah, You know, they they are. And and so we got to talk about it. Here's yeah. here's what I did. This is a few years ago, but I, I, I was really happy with the lender that we got our mortgage through, but rates had come down and they weren't proactively calling me to say, hey, you should you should come in. We want to have you pay us less interest. That yeah. doesn't seem to happen much in the banking industry. Help me so help I, you save money. So, yeah. So I, I went out shopping a little bit and I, I found a very reputable local mortgage uh, firm that uh, didn't know me from Adam and, and was willing to give me quite a bit lower of a rate. And Come and on, you very... actually called him and said, do you... You recognize my voice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you know who Do you realize is. who you're talking to? They call me Spro. <laughs> yeah. They call me yeah. Spro. So, so um, a nice rate and very low cost to refinance. So I, I 
play them against each other. I went back to the, the bank that had my mortgage and I said, hey, listen, I love you guys. I, I would love to keep dealing with you, but here's what your competition is offering me. And if you can match it, I'm not going anywhere. And, and they said, we'll not only match it, but we'll do it for just a flat, very low fee. And I'm like, perfect, nice. perfect. People don't re realize that banking is a business yes. and, and you can negotiate. And, and especially and you should if negotiate. you should, and especially if you've got halfway decent credit, you should play them against each other. But do your research, check with a couple other places first. When we talk about investments, often we're talking about stocks and bonds. And in here on this show, if you've been listening for any amount of time, you know that we always kind of refer to bonds as shock absorbers. When the market takes a big dive, yeah. usually they kind of absorb the shock of that. But there is some new research out from three professors, one from Emory, University of Arizona, University of Missouri, that just published some research uh, that says, you know, for those of you that look at what they call lifestyle investing, and this is simply, hey, maybe when you're 20s, you're 100% in stocks. And yeah. as you get older, you dial that back, you go to more bonds, less stocks. Till some people would say, okay, maybe when you retire, you're 60, 40, 50, 50, yeah. something like that, the older that you get. Well, the, the premise of their research shows that that's actually not the best way to invest. They would say, you go through your entire lifetime as an investor 100% in stocks. Well, we've been saying for, for years, uh, we don't like these lifestyle funds uh, that, that go from 100% stock to right, maybe 100% bonds. The difference is these guys actually did the research. Yeah. So they, they actually knew what Thank they were you. talking about. Yeah, no, and, and this is serious. I mean, they, they looked at 38 countries, 130 years of data, and they ran over a million computer-generated simulations on American households looking at what are the likely outcomes of different portfolios? And what they came up with is if you want to have the most money, not just during your lifetime, but to leave to your heirs, you should be in a 50-50 portfolio. No, not 50% stocks, 50% bonds. You should be 50% domestic U.S. stocks, 50% international stocks. They said 100% stocks is the way to go. And they put some numbers behind that. They said, okay, if you were 100% in stocks, and I don't know what all of the numbers were behind it, but it would produce an average wealth balance of north of a million dollars. Same portfolio, but what they call a balanced portfolio, right? So 50-50, same amount of money invested for the same amount of time. Not a million dollars, only $760,000. I think this is one of those things, though, um, it's good to hear, right? It's good to understand. It ain't happening. Let's be serious. 100% stock for everybody? Yes, right. And I think the question you have to ask yourself is, would I be able to sleep at night? Was I able to sleep no, that's tonight? No, that's yes. why they call us the Ambien model. Okay, you're gonna you're gonna be Take up all night long if you're 100 percent stock. You better, yeah, you better have something help you through the night. But you know what? I, I I kind of figured this would be the conclusion. You can pull this off, and I'm not saying you should, but you can pull this off if you have not just an emergency fund, but uh, hey, I need enough money in cash that's going to get me through a bad year to two years in the stock market. So I can pull money out of the cash account and not my investments when they're down. I, I mean, very few people have, have done that plan on doing that, but you need a significant amount of money in an emergency fund. If you're even thinking of doing something like a hundred percent stocks, this is, this is kind of crazy. And a significant understanding of the markets and the way that they work. I yeah. mean, just to be fully transparent, I'm a hundred percent in stocks. Okay. I don't lose sleep though, because I've been doing this long enough that I understand these cycles. Not everyone can do that. And you got to understand that. Here's the all worth advice. 
Your portfolio allocation should always reflect your tolerance for risk and when you're going to need those dollars. Coming up next, tis the season for scams. We're going to see what the Simply Money scam tracker has found next. You're listening to Simply Money presented by Allworth Financial here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. Tis the season. If you are anything like me, you are spending a lot of money trying to get this holiday situation under control. And a lot of times that means gift cards, gift cards for, I don't know, kids, teachers, friends, bus drivers, all the things. Uh, and the problem is sometimes gift cards can be a scam. So joining us tonight with what you need to understand in order to protect yourself and, hey, not be the Grinch and give someone a gift card with no money on it is our good friend Josiel Ehrlich from the Cincinnati Better Business Bureau. Gift cards used to be just such an easy thing to give, but not really anymore. Uh, it's still easy. It's the go-to gift for so many people. But yeah. whether you're going to buy the gift card online or you're going to grab one from the store as you're doing your grocery shopping, there's a lot of ways that gift cards can go south. Now, the first thing is make sure that the gift card you're buying is worth the money you're spending. Now, what do I mean by that? If you're buying a physical gift card, run your finger over that barcode on the back to make sure that it's not a sticker. Scammers are putting their own barcode stickers over the real barcode. So mm. when you go to check out, you're adding cash to a scammer's bank account <laughs> rather than the gift card you just paid for, leaving you with a gift card with no money on it. And you just you know, bought a $50 gift card you thought, uh-uh, not so much. When did this so start be happening? Be really careful. I'm sorry? I haven't heard of that one. Yeah, I haven't heard of the sticker. That's yeah. brilliant and terrible. Yeah. Well, they have to do the sticker now because the gift cards are so well packaged, which brings mm -hmm. me to the next issue. These days, with all the packaging that they've put on them, basically for security reasons, mm -hmm. look for tampering. You know, look for torn or wrinkled packaging. Thieves may have copied that card number that you can often see through the back. And if that activation code has been scratched off, there's a good chance that card's been compromised. So your use of that card will be null and void. So always make sure that the card packaging is pristine before you buy it. And when it comes to buying gift cards online, pass, pass, pass on two good-to-be-true deals. Mm. If they're offering a buy one, get one free discount, a 20% off discount, uh, or there's a social media ad that you're looking to take advantage of offering deep discounts, it's probably a front to steal your credit card information. It's best to purchase electronic gift cards directly from the retailer, obviously. And, you know, you, you mentioned buying them in the stores, and, and I think that's just such an easy way to do it. You think back like 10 years and you maybe had a couple of choices. Now you walk into any grocery store and you've got a thousand different restaurants, a thousand different stores. So it's great options, super convenient. But some of those are a ways away from the checkout people and anyone who's working in the store. So are those more likely to be tampered with than maybe the ones that are right there at the checkout? Absolutely. What can happen is a scammer will go into a store, grab a handful of them, take them home. They're not activated, do whatever they want to do to perpetuate their scam, bring them back to the store, mix them in with what's already hanging there. So you have to, like I said, make sure that anything you buy, the packaging is pristine, that you've made sure that there's no sticker that's covering up the barcode on the back with some other barcode. 
you know, be careful that any time a scammer has an opportunity to add to their pockets, they're going to do it. And gift cards are a great way to do that. You, you know, you just gave me a great idea on how to save money. I think I'm going to get a bunch of gift cards that, that have no money on them and, and give them out. <laughs> and when, when when the people say, hey, there was nothing on this gift card, I'm going to blame it on the scammers. What, what do you <laughs> that think, was a $100 Lucille? gift card. I, I put $200 oh, well. on that, as a matter of fact. <laughs> I think you, you've just been uh, the cat's oh, out of the bag with you it. now. We- so what, what else are you seeing? I mean, there there are lots of scams out there. What other what other things are you seeing as we head into you know it should be a, a time of joy and giving and and you know we've got these evil people out there that are are just taking money and gifts and everything else. Yeah, well, well, sticking with the gift card uh, topic, BBB Scam Tracker is showing that there's already been a 50% increase in reported gift card fraud compared to last year. Mm. That's a huge jump. Most gift card fraud deals with cards that are being used as payment for some other thing uh, than uh, using the card to buy the product or service directly from the retailer. Protect yourself from these kind of scams by knowing what to look out for. First of all, be careful of anyone presenting themselves as an authority figure like a police, a lawyer, or the IRS, who tells you to go out and buy gift cards as payment for them, for whatever, for something totally unrelated to the gift card they're asking you to buy. As an example, they say, you're delinquent in your taxes, go buy $2,000 of Best Buy gift cards to pay this delinquent tax bill. That doesn't make sense. No. Another common scam is any communication, be it phone, email, or text, that appears to be coming from your boss or another member of management asking you to buy gift cards. Scammers are really oftentimes posing as a company executive to trick you into doing their bidding. If you get a request like that, uh, always contact the manager directly to confirm that they made the request. And if the request was made over the phone, as we've talked about before, never, never, never trust that the voice you heard was really your boss. Remember, artificial intelligence, AI, yeah. is very sophisticated. Don't trust that you can tell the difference between the real person and an AI-generated simulation of that person's voice. Third, online sellers requesting gift cards as payment rather than credit cards. That's a pretty sure bet that the seller has no intention of providing whatever you're attempting to buy. And last, don't trust anyone asking for a gift card number or PIN over the phone or email. What this boils down to is this. If anybody asks you to pay for something with a gift card to a big box store like Amazon or Walmart or a tech company like Apple or Google, mm-hmm. contact the gift card seller, contact the business, or contact the governmental body that is allegedly asking for gift cards as payment, yeah. and contact the Better Business Bureau to find out if it's a scam. Now, if you get gift cards, other than the ones that Steve is going to be giving you, uh, <laughs> make sure. Watch out for those. If the retailer offers the option to register your gift card, do it, especially if it's a high dollar gift card. Because when you register a gift card, it's easier to protect and track its balance. And you also might be able to change the card's PIN number as an added security measure. That's especially good if you get a card for a lot of money, if you get a, a travel gift card to an airline or a, a large dinner uh, gift card. 
If you want to check your credit card balance, there's usually a number uh, to call or a website that's listed on the back of the gift card. Do not trust third-party sites that offer that same service. Uh, they might be set up to steal the information you input mm. to register your card so that they can drain the money from it. And finally, always, don't wait too long to use your gift card. The longer that card sits around in a drawer, the more chance it is that you'll forget about it or you're going to lose it. They are so convenient, right? Gift cards and scammers know that, and that's why they are targeting them and you this holiday season. Great reminders from our good friend, Josiel Ehrlich at the Cincinnati Business Bureau about how we can protect ourselves and those gift cards that we're giving so we don't ultimately look like the Scrooge or the Grinch when there's nothing on them. Watch out for any that you might get from Steve Sprovac. You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Amy Wagner, along with Steve Sprovac. Do you have a financial question? Maybe something you and your spouse just aren't on the same page about? There's a red button you can click on while you're listening to the show. It's right there on the iHeart app. Record your question, and it's coming straight to us and straight ahead. The holiday gifts, do not waste your money on this holiday season. We'll tell you what they are. I don't know. Maybe if Santa's bringing them your way, you can uh, redirect them to someone else's house. Listen, when we talk about clients who are close to retirement, we always want to be very upfront. It, it's it's easy to think that you're going to spend less in retirement. And I don't know why this is. And I, it was like, well, I'm dry cleaning and the cost of my commute yeah. and I have lunch with coworkers every day and it's just going to be cheaper. Um, that's not what we see. No. And so we want to make sure that if you are closing in on retirement or decades out and planning for it, that you're doing it with eyes wide open. And I'm sitting across from a man who's Days away from going there himself. <laughs> I got so, a quick grinning when we talk about this. Literally preaching <laughs> to the actual choir yeah. here. But yeah, and there's research out there that shows you are going to spend more money. You, you know, I, I've been doing financial plans and, and in the investment world for about 42 years now. And, and you know, when you go through your budget and we always preach, if you're approaching retirement, um, just track your spending. Don't use the B word. But it's just natural, Amy, that you're going to say, well, I can cut back on this. I can cut back on that. I'm not driving to work anymore. I don't have dry cleaning. I, I, I don't have the expenses. Yeah, but you know what? You're going to be doing things that you've been putting off because now you've got the time. And, and I've been telling people for years, if you're not spending more in the first two years of retirement than you expected, you're doing it wrong. Because that's the whole idea. You worked your butt off all those years so that you can enjoy life. And, and life is for living. Money's just a tool to get you to be able to do the things that you want to do. So don't. I, I think the first bit of advice is don't, don't cut back on um, sp uh, what you think you're going to spend or on your actual spending right off the bat. But have a realistic expectation of what it's going to cost to live. And, and you know, there have been studies, and the latest is from T. Rowe Price, one out of five people in retirement have found they spend at least 20% more than, than they expected. You're one of that 20% that spend 20% more than you expected. Um, you you want to plan on that. Right. You, well, 20% yeah. less, you can deal with that in your financial plan, right? Thinking yeah. that those numbers yeah. are going to look much better, but 20% more uh, isn't such a good thing. And when you're asking, okay, but what could this be? I've, I've taken account of everything I can right. in my plan. New roofing, bathroom renovations, uh, new heating and air conditioning systems. You, you were actually saying earlier today, yeah. 
knowing that you were going to retire at the end of this year, you've what gotten a new roof. A I new wanted HVAC to get the expensive unit? stuff out of the way while yeah. money's coming in, yeah. you know, because you're going to have a whole different attitude when, okay, I'm taking my monthly draw from my investments. I'm getting my normal social security. Um, oh, wait, we just had a, a 11 grand, 12 grand, 15 grand for a roof, whatever, whatever it turns out to be. Um, it's a lot easier to stomach an expense like that when you're working. So yeah, in, in the last two years, we've replaced our, our air conditioning and, and furnace and put a new roof on the house. And I was kind of happy. And I'm a cheapskate. I stress over this stuff. <laughs> and and I was happy like, about good, those expenses. good. I'm glad the roof is, is in bad shape because I want to get that done now, not two years from now. And, and frankly, I am sleeping a lot better at night knowing that that stuff is out of the way. Well, and I think another thing that catches people off guard in retirement as far as expenses is cars. Yeah. You know, you buy one maybe five years before retirement and you think, oh, this is going to last me. Well, yeah. If you're, I mean, the statistics show that if you're healthy at 65, you're probably going to be at least 85, maybe live into your 90s. Yeah. How long is that car going to last? I, I, I've already had my younger son say to me, and this was like five years ago, hey, dad, you might as well splurge and get it because, you know, your age, this is probably the last one you're going to need. <laughs> and I'm like, you got to be kidding uh, me. Not my plan. <laughs> yeah, not my exactly. plan. <laughs> I'm spending that kid's inheritance. I'll tell you. Yeah. He's going to say stuff car. like that. On a me. brand new car for you. That's Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, in, in all seriousness, when when you start going through, if you're doing what you should be doing and, and tracking spending so you can have a good plan that shows that you don't run out of money and you think you've accounted for everything, you don't always remember the one-off items. It, you know, like you said, yeah. you are going to need a new car. Well, yeah, let's put it in every five years. Well, I keep cars longer than that. Yeah, but if you're married, you've got two people to consider, so you might only have a new car every 10 years. But your spouse also is going to have to get a car at some point also. It, those are the types of things. They won't necessarily blow up your plan, but you want to account for them so you don't go into retirement saying, ooh, I forgot to put that in. I wonder if that means I'm in trouble 10 years down the road. You got to think about those one-off items. It's not just around the house, but you know, also uh, you know, besides cars, um, okay, your mortgage, you still have one. Oh yeah, but I'm going to downsize. I'm going to, I'm going to sell this house and, and we're going to buy a smaller house. Have you checked prices lately? Yeah. You so know, much for are that. you really going to be able to cash in that much? Yeah. Do your research before yeah. you think things like that might actually help you. And I would say, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there's a, more of a cycle to this. And, and the fact that when you first retire, you spend more, you're feeling good about things. You want to spend time yeah. with the grandkids. You're going to travel more. And then I think a few years, years into it, you've done the traveling. Maybe you're starting to get older. Maybe it's not as easy to travel anymore. Yep. You pull back on spending a little bit. Y you it, do. It, and, and, then, and then as you get a little bit older, maybe some more medical bills pop up and another medication that you didn't have before. So I don't think it's this linear thing you're that you can look me. at. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> not you. Everyone yes, else yes. but you. But yeah. I think it's important to go into retirement with eyes wide open, understanding that uh, there's just going to be different phases in this. And there's going to be ups and downs in what you're spending. But to think, okay, this is what I'm spending now and it's only going to go down in retirement. It's just it's just not being smart about what it's going to look like. No, and, and, and don't think your spending is going to be the same every single month. And a lot of people, you know, they look it at their... It isn't now. 
No, think about it. Exactly. You're looking at pensions, social security, maybe a drawdown from investments. And, and you know, you don't necessarily want to lock in that monthly income. You, you need the discretion to be able to say, hey, we're going to take a trip or we're going to do something with the grandkids. I need to be able to draw a little bit extra money this year for this reason. Important to have flexi- flexibility. Yeah. And I think also a huge thing is having an emergency fund. And well, we talk about those all yeah. the time when you're working. But man, when you get to retirement, having a larger emergency fund that maybe even during during times when markets are down and spending is up, you're not pulling out of what you've set aside because you've got that money set aside in cash. Lots of those things can help make it so much easier. Here's the all worth advice. Always try and prepare for the unexpected. Coming up next, holiday gifts you shouldn't buy. You're listening to Simply Money presented by Allworth Financial here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Amy Wagner, along with Steve Sprovac. For those of you, I don't even know that this is necessarily last-minute shopping yet. And we're not talking about Christmas Eve. But for those of you who are still shopping, uh, we would just give you a few things to keep on the list of things not to buy because we would say these are just a waste of your money. But they, but these are things that sound fun. I, well, I mean, a talking toothbrush. Eve and you're like, oh, talking toothbrush. Yeah, what does Speedway have that. anyway? Because exactly. they're open up late. Yeah, but that, you know, there's always Billy Bass to fall back on, right? Oh my gosh, I remember Billy. They're Bass. still out there. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Actually, I have a fa- a friend who got one from a family member from an aunt. It's the talking like fish that goes on your wall. Um, a self-stirring mug. You know, things that you walk by and you think, huh, that's kind of cool. And if yeah. you walk by it again, you would think, actually, that's kind of dumb. But you get it <laughs> before you get the kind of dumb thought to your head. Any kind of impractical gadgets or novelty items. I, 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 I no. love it. I love it when you either get or give clothes and, and you, you know, I'm thinking of my nephew who last time I visited him three years ago, um, he was maybe, I don't know, four, four, two, something like that. He's almost six feet tall now. <laughs> I, I mean, he went through a growth spurt right. that if I bought him clothes, he would put these on. Are these for like an eight-year-old? He looked like Buddy the Elf. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and, and that happens all the time. Yeah, I remember years ago, my grandma bought me the skirt for Christmas, and I held, and I was like, "This is." She said, "Well, you look like you had put on a few pounds." It was like <laughs> seven sizes too big. Listen, if you don't exactly know someone's size, maybe just stay away from the whole thought of clothing. Here's another one. DIY kits, especially things that are complex. You may love to cook. You may be the best gourmet chef in the world. You're talking about me, aren't you? If you are going to buy me a cookbook, (laughs) it better be for kindergartners. It better be for Otherwise known as a doorstop in your house. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I am not the cook. So if you give me something about complex knitting or yeah. cooking or something like that. It's it's just going to be over my head. I'm not going to be able to enjoy it. Yeah. And by the way, thanks for the jam of the month club. You, uh, you obviously that? put a lot of Everyone thought into it. Everyone loved that. Sorry, 30, Clark Griswold. About 30 years ago, my buddies gave me an AARP membership. I thought that was fun. Now I could use it. Now I could use it. But 30 years ago, I think they were making a point. Not sure I like that point. And I think one of your points, though, here is about kind of just generic things like, you know, a gift basket that you can just pick up anywhere. If it looks like it could be just for anyone, not necessarily for that person, not necessarily the most personal, thoughtful gift in the world. Subscriptions, some of them can be great. Some of them are for something that they will never use, never read, never listen to. So just make sure that you're not wasting your money on a gift that's never going to get used. Thanks for listening tonight. Tune in tomorrow. We're talking about what could be the greatest deferred compensation plan of all time. You've been listening to Simply Money presented by Allworth Financial here on 55KRC, 
the talk station.